0: Amen. Are we on?
1: Awesome. Well, everyone knows who we are. Um, Jeff and I have worked over probably the last almost year. And, uh, we, you know, we kind of both went through some of the same books and things like that, like uh, Letters to the Church from Francis Chan. And it kind of awakened, uh, one, repentance in us, but number two, a whole new level of uh, really what. Going deeper into discipleship and really what does it really look like to multiply the church? And, you know, what was Jesus's real model? And so uh, I just thank Jeff so much for uh, partnering ministries with me. And I encourage all ministries of the church to um, to partner together like we are right now. And uh, because we all have the same goal Mm -hmm. and we're unified by the uh, we call it the unity of a a common salvation. Yeah. So I want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. So this is kind of a um, more of a stripped down sermon. We didn't really want to give like a per se sermon like you typically hear. We want to make this easy to understand, and, uh, and in the in heart of that, when you see the podcast on Facebook after this, if you click on a link, um, last spring uh, we we were working on a discipleship manual and uh, I completed that in probably early summer, and so if you click on a link, you can download a lot of what we're going to be saying tonight is in there and so you know if you're taking notes and stuff if, if you don't catch up on something it's okay a lot of it will be right there in that manual if you click on it you can just download it and save the pdf to your laptop or computer so to, to open here we're just going to go back and forth and uh, kind of have uh, a A, you, you could call it and then if we get done in time uh, if you have any questions too if we have time then we can take some questions from the audience as well Sound all right.
0: good? All right. Okay. All right. So, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what the question's going to be.
1: <laughs> no, we're not scripted. But, uh, as we've been pondering yeah. and, and talking over, you know, the last year at least, uh, and we've defined it several different ways, we've read it and done all these podcasts,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what, for everyone's just broken-down knowledge here, what is a disciple
0: yeah, it's a it's a great question because it's, it's still one that I am trying to flesh out because it's a, it's a word that we see all over the Bible, but we actually don't see a definition of what it actually is. And so we have to go back to what Jesus did. We see his methods and what he did, and we're like, if he's calling his disciples to go and make disciples, then he must have demonstrated what it was to be a disciple. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as people have gone back and looked at what Jesus did, you know, at the very root, disciple means learner, studying under a teacher, a pupil, is what disciple is. But as as you go back and look at what Jesus did with the disciples, you know, some people have come up with some very good definitions. So uh, one that's just kind of all-encompassing is a disciple is a diligent, disciplined learner who's intentionally positioning themselves in a relationship with a more mature believer. And that mature believer acts as a teacher and the disciple maker to spur you on towards spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that that's what Jesus did with the disciples. They came under him as a teacher. They followed him to become more like him. You know, you allow the teacher to impart spiritual truth into your life to speak into your life, and it transforms you. And they see the teacher's example, Mm -hmm. and they follow the example. Um, uh, One key thing that I've loved as I've been studying this is that this idea that a disciple is someone who doesn't learn for themselves. They are learning for the next person that they are going to be speaking into. So Mm -hmm. it's not a... Consume. What can I become? It's I have to. I have to elevate in order to uh, send this out to others. Mm-hmm. You know, some some uh, some people that I've read books from. You know, they come up with some really concise definitions. And uh, one of them I love is uh, this guy named Robbie Gallaty. He says discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Spirit of God in order to replicate followers of Christ. And another one, uh, this guy, Jim Putman, he takes Matthew 4.19. We all know, we've all heard this. Jesus, when he called the disciples, what did he say? He said, come, follow me, mm-hmm. I will make you a fisher of men. And so he's taken that and broke that down. That's the definition of a disciple. The, the come, follow me means that a disciple is one who is following Jesus, The I will make you is a disciple is being transformed by Jesus and fishers of men, meaning I commit myself to the mission of Jesus, Mm -hmm. which is to spread the gospel. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I I think the thing that keeps popping up there that we're seeing that a lot of times people can easily forget is the replication. Yeah. That it's not about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just uh, me meeting with someone and taking care of my problems but it's you know my greatest accomplishment is not what I really do on earth but it's it's who I train up after I'm gone yeah. to do even greater things than what I've done
0: just like Jesus yeah. said that you'll do even greater things in my name Yeah, you know? I'm glad you brought that up because I left that out it was right here in my notes <laughs> and it's the most important <laughs> part that we often leave out as disciples is that the end goal of being a disciple is that Just as a a coach coaches a player, the player then becomes the coach. Mm -hmm. And so a a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is someone who matures to a level where the disciple maker steps out of the picture and now lets the disciple go find somebody else. Do what I've done with you. It's this ongoing process of replication. Mm -hmm. So based on that, and based on, you know,
1: we read also and with that's just, we know this is pretty clear, cut and dry, but a lot of people will ask this
0: question Who should disciple and why do we do it? Yeah. Again, that's a great question. And I, I think the short answer is who should disciple? Everyone. <laughs> Everyone. It's 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 clear in scripture, you know. Jesus' great commission in Matthew twenty eight, right? Yeah. He said, All authority has been given to me, go and make disciples teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and I'm with you to the end of the age right so he calls everyone mm-hmm. to do it and the thing the really cool thing that as I've been studying about discipleship that it's encouraged me is god has always used people yes to complete his will yes mm-hmm. and god always uses people to multiply i mean if you if you go back you know we all, we often look at the old testament and see these patterns You know, the exodus was a pattern of Jesus delivering, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Alger mentioned it this morning in communion. But what do we see in Genesis 2? What was God's plan for the world, for people to flourish? Go, multiply, be fruitful. And here, Jesus in Matthew 28, he's saying the same thing. I need you, go, make disciples. And so God has always used people to reproduce, it's his, it's his intentional, you know, it's it's his plan yes. to spread the gospel. Yeah. It's it's what he had planned all along for the spread of the gospel was us individually going, finding someone, get them saved, train them up, send them out, let them reproduce, do the whole thing over and over again. You, you know, the greatest
1: part. You talk about that, it, it, and that's a great point. Have you guys ever heard, what's the greatest part of the Great Commission? Co. Not just mission, because, you know, Jesus could have just carried and said, well, I'm going to carry out this mission, but mm-hmm. he chose to partner with us. Yeah. What an honor. Yeah. As we're co-heirs with him, we're also co-missioning mm-hmm. with him to make disciples that make disciples. Yeah. That's, uh, that's incredible.
0: Yeah. There's this thing, too, of he needs people... To be spiritual parents, yes. You know, I found uh, uh, as I was listening to this guy, he he sh- he just, you know, sometimes a simple illustration just just makes it click. And he said, imagine a husband and wife they have a child, brand new baby. They bring him home and they set the baby in the carriage and say, "There's the fridge, there's your bed, there's the TV. Go take care of yourself." He's like, we would call that abuse. I mean, that child would be taken from you. And as spiritual babies come into our house, they need spiritual parents who mother them, who father them, who take them under the wings. And, you know, as, as parents... One of the one of the lofty goals I have, which I think is a com- it's a command that we see in Scripture, is that I need to train my child yes. in the way he should go when he co- leaves my house. When my children leave my house, my goal is to have a mature child who can stand on their own two feet. Um, and as Christians, we need to be spiritual mothers and fathers and train up these spiritual babies Amen. to people who can stand on their own two feet. That's not relegated to the pastor on Sunday, to train these people up, you know, it, it's someone who comes alongside of them. You know, so uh, one thing I want to share is something that this this year that really just mailed me yeah. was this thing I read where this guy said the gospel came to us That's because right. it's heading somewhere else. That's right. Mm-hmm. The gospel was never it was never an intended for you to get saved, and, it's, and you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, but so many times we, we, it comes to us and, and it stops with us. Right. And it's that reproduction that needs to happen. You know. I, I think that's, that's a problem too. Um, you know. A, a lot of church
1: leaders and anyone that's worked in ministry, uh, and God's word even says that. He says the harvest is bountiful, but the workers are few. Mm-hmm. And uh, how often have you guys felt sometimes, I need some help here. But yeah. a lot of people don't want to do that, Yeah. you know. And it's just that spiritual maturity level, you know, still at being like a, a spiritual baby or an infant that they, they haven't received that revelation yet uh, to know that uh, I'm actually ignoring His command. Yeah, you know, because it's not really about me.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so the why of why we should do it is because it's what Jesus <laughs> calls us to. Yeah, you know, as we as we see. He he lays out some pretty just tough lines in the sand in yes. scripture like if you want to be my disciple you, you know you got to hate your mother and father sister and brother you know you got to give up all you have you have to lay your life down just like the the kernel of wheat dies in the ground you must die to produce fruit it's 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 this thing We're, It's just we have to. This is what it takes to follow Him. Die to yourself. And as I've been considering this, you know what I've seen, and and I think it's um, I don't want to use the word shame. It's uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But and and I don't know if it's just an American church or I I know we don't see this in some other nations around the world, but we've we've created this gap. Between believing in Christ and right. becoming a disciple, right? We've we've created the I'm saved, but I'm not a super spiritual disciple. You know, like it's it's two, it's one or the other, and like when I'm ready, I can become a disciple. But Jesus never demonstrated that. No, he he up front, he you know he he drew lines in the sand, and it said you know when he said eat my flesh, drink my blood. Yeah. It says many left him that day. Absolutely. He introduced himself with these very radical. rigid, rad- radical lines Yeah, where there was no difference. It was if you believe in me and you're going to accept me, this is what I expect. And so the call is to all of us. And why? Because this is what following Jesus is.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you and I, okay, because we, we totally geek out with David Platt, but it's a command, not a consideration. Yeah. But, you know, and I've taken it as a consideration yeah. for a long time, you know, when I was younger, and if I'm not careful, I still do. But uh, that, that's a great point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, as when I look at Jesus, you know, do you ever see Jesus saying, just do this much and you're good?
1: Yeah.
0: No, his call was always, it's always complete. I want every part of you, total surrender, total obedience, nothing less than total. You know, we call him Savior. I've said this before and some other times in other contexts, you know, where we're eager to call him Savior, but we're not eager to make him Lord of everything. hmm right? And when he calls us to follow him, it's, I want everything. Yeah. Everything. I want your life. Yeah.
1: You know, I I remember when when we took that class, you know, he's standing up and he says, this means if I believe this gospel, if I really believe it, uh, you have given up your rights. You have no rights. Yeah. Your life belongs to Christ. Where you live belongs to Christ. Everything you have belongs to Christ. Your money which is not popular to say, belongs to Christ. Who you marry is his decision. You've surrendered everything unto him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll just add this, Uh, I I kinda just pulled this up and uh, we were talking about the Great Commission, you know, and uh, this is Chan here talking and we talked about why do we do it and who's been called. He said, let's look at the Great Commission Jesus raises from the dead, and then he commands it. That's pretty, you walk over, hey, I, I was just raised from the dead to tell you this. You got my attention if you say that. Yeah. And he says, that's a pretty big deal, and a pretty big deal if we ignore that type of command. He was risen from the dead, partially also, to give this command. And he says, uh, when he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples. So for us to hear the Son of God say, every ounce of authority has been given to me, I just rose from the dead to tell you this. So go and make disciples. So if we can't name any disciples that we're discipling or or we've worked with, that's a pretty serious offense. He says it's a big deal because it was what Jesus did with his life. We're supposed to be imitators. You know, he says we're supposed to be followers and imitators of him. Mm-hmm. And he spent the majority of his ministry, this is, if you don't know this, this is something I would put in my notes, but it'll be on the outline as well. In Jesus's ministry time here on earth, he spent nine tenths of his time pouring into 12 disciples, digging deeply into their lives.
0: Yeah, yeah. He didn't, he didn't go after the crowds, did he? he he's like, he, he knew the plan. You know, this isn't in my notes, but as we look at John 17, I encourage you guys to read John 17 where Jesus prays for the disciples. He hasn't even been crucified yet, but he's praying to the Father and said, I have completed the work you called me to do. Yes. He hasn't even went to the cross. He hadn't even been crucified or risen from the dead yet. But he prays for his disciples and talks about how he's poured everything into them. They believe who I am. They know who you are. They believe my words. They know it. His mission was to raise up these 12 men who could stand on their own when he left. He was going to send the Holy Spirit to lead them, but he his mission was to leave a remnant, leave 12 people that could spread the gospel.
1: Yeah, can you can you imagine if we grabbed 12 of us and said, "Okay, let's go change the world." Yeah. It's us. Let's go do it.
0: Yeah. I'll just share quickly, you know, this, this anecdote. I just read it this afternoon, and it just, <laughs> it, it kind of went with what Eric was sharing this morning about being a doer of the Word. But, you know, so many times we read the Word, we study it, we memorize it, but we don't apply the Word. And, and uh, a simple illustration, this guy said, is imagine telling your kid, go do the laundry. <laughs> and, you know, three hours later, you walk by the laundry room, and the laundry's not done. And you go and talk to your kid. Hey, why isn't laundry on? He's, well, I, st- I, I can tell you what you said. And I can repeat it just like you said it. And I can even tell you what it means in Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> and all the parent wants to know is, are you going to do what I asked you to do? And it's so many times we treat this mission. And that, that's what's convicted me over the last year. Yeah, that's really uh, pressed hard into me over this past year. It's like, I've been ignoring this. And it's a command, yeah, and i could I can quote their great commission to you, I can tell you what it means. Have I done it? I don't think so, not to the capacity that he's wanting me to, so just like that child in the laundry, I disobeyed my father,
1: yeah, that that is convicting mm-hmm. um you know, a lot of times the secular world that's lost that kind of you know takes pot shots at the church. They say that we come off as they call us religious robots, that we talk a good game, but we're not really so-called the church on the move. We, we don't yeah. always back up our own words, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, what Jesus called us to do was—it's more powerful in what we do even than what we say. Yeah, probably the most powerful sermon we'll ever preach is what we do and not what we say yeah. so
0: much. So I wanna—I wanna turn it back to you. So now that we've defined what discipleship is and why we should do it. What is it? What, is it? what does it look like? Sure.
1: Um, and, and just so everyone knows, we could talk for, we could do a, a mini-series on this. We, we could talk for months, and we have, yeah. the last year. And, and we still just laugh and, and keep adding new layers to the onion. But when you look back at the Great Commission, you know, there was a number of commands in there. I, I pulled four of them out. Go make, baptize, and teach. And so, but, but, you know, to make it much easier and something that you can walk away from here with, if you don't get on Facebook and, you know, if you're not going to click and download, I I get it. Um, If you're going to write down three things tonight, this would be it right here. Uh, When you're saying, you know, what does it really look like to have discipleship? Or what do you really do? Three things, really, that are, I call their essential elements, not the four essential elements. These are the three essential elements uh, so far that I've seen that's worked really well in my life and what I've been taught is with someone that you're going to work with or someone's working with you, the first thing is spending time with those that you disciple, sharing your life with them. That's number one. Number two is teaching, the, actually, is coordinate is sending them out like Jesus did the disciples. And number three is the one that everyone hates. Correct, hold them accountable. A lot of people don't like to be accountable, yeah, do they? Kidding. And so let, let's kind of drill down on some of these, okay? Yeah. These are a lot of fun. Um, spending time with those that you disciple uh, is more than just going to, to Café Royal and having coffee. It's, um, I heard it best defined, and I really adopted this one because it was exactly how it was for me. Um, yes, it was studying the Word of God together. It was asking a lot of questions, or what, what's this look like, what's this look like? But it's really more than sitting in an office and talking about ministry. It's more than just uh, finding out what this scripture means. It's sharing life with that person. And in that case, it's, it's the relationship. It's impossible without a relationship because you're never going to be vulnerable with anyone that you're not comfortable with, mm-hmm. just like in RTF. Uh, and so it's sharing your life with that person, not just doing this or that, but taking them places with you. And ultimately, here, here's where the rubber really hits the road. When I was first discipled, I saw what it looked like to follow Christ, what it looks like to follow Christ by this guy's example. And especially not just by what he taught me here, how he treated his family,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how he handled his finances. Yeah. Did he honor God? Did he, did he obey all of his commands? Yeah. Or did he ignore this or this? No, I mean, this guy was spot on. And so and the guys that disciple me now, I learn more. And this is where we say a lot of times Christianity more often is uh, caught than taught. Everyone can read something on a page, but when you experience it head on, you seem to really get it and so uh the cost is really high to do that you're sharing your life with them, you're opening your home you're uh like we talked about it, you're actually spiritually parenting that person you know I've said several times that I've got uh you know these other spiritual sons, and they come hang out at the house and mm-hmm. we go do all kinds of things together but um that's what that really is. And I, I, think, I think that's where we've missed the boat in the church too, because in the American church specifically, because um, we've boiled it down to just meeting for coffee, and I think that's great. But it has to be this aspect of going deeper with yeah. that person. Yeah, and it's
0: modeling uh, it and following the model. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's modeling it. I, I want them to see, and, and you know what that really does, though, that makes you up your A game too. Yeah. You're being monitored all the time,
0: Watch.
1: watched all the time. And so, uh, you know, they're seeing how I, get, how, how I father my daughter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of these guys are just got married or getting married, and they're going to be fathers. Yeah. Or, uh, or I'm seeing how you guys parent your kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, there's a bigger aspect of all of that. And, and, you know, th- but that's what Jesus did with the disciples. He lived with them. Where he went, they went. Yeah, And, and they saw, you know, he, he taught them so much even, uh I mean, he taught them how to pray, but they saw when they woke up in the morning, you know, many times he was already off before they even woke up. He's off spending time with his dad, and they get that, that, okay, if, if we're going to have to know what to do, it's going to take time alone with the Father. Yeah. Or the statements of, my, no, my, my food is to do the will of the Father. Yeah. And so... um yeah, I
0: think that that's key. And What, what do you think about that? I think, I think, you're, I think you're spot on. It, it, it goes back kind of again to something I shared. You know, we're learning for the next person. And, and there's a call for us to go higher because we need to model what it is to be a disciple. You know, one of the, one of the things I've seen, I've watched multiple times over the past year was uh, this guy saying that he, you know, he believes our Christian walk our spiritual growth will plateau until we take the next step of pouring into somebody else, because it's, it's, it's when we realize we're pouring into somebody else that we have to raise our a game. Like you said, yeah, you know, you know, even, even recently, um, you know, trying to help a a brother out in the Lord and, um, he was in a very difficult situation and, and I really had to, I, I, had, I had this group of guys that I'm trying to disciple. And, and here's a, a really hard need, a difficult situation. And I it weighed heavy on my heart. What do I do? This is going to be really inconvenient to me. <laughs> this this, this situation is going to be really inconvenient. But, Lord, your word says this. And I need to model it to these guys. I'm going to do the difficult thing. Yeah. And do this. And, I, and, and the, uh, some of those guys gathered around us as we uh, helped the situation out. And I, I hope it was modeled and demonstrated. And I'm looking forward to even, you know, kind of debriefing with them <laughs> about what they saw and, uh, and getting their thoughts, you know. But it is, it's just this thing of like, it, when someone is dependent on you for their spiritual growth, you have to raise your game to be able to invest in them. By
1: the way, you, you did a fabulous job. Because <laughs> I was there too. <laughs> uh. <is> there. <laughs> he was there. You did an amazing job. And uh, and there was even a time when, when it really reached this crucial point And there wasn't a lot of help at the time. And I was out of town on vacation. I, you did an amazing job. Uh, I couldn't be prouder of you. Oh, great. For real. Um, Another big aspect, though, I mean, it's not just hanging out and shooting hoops and going places and going to the show, but, you know, there is a practical application. And uh, I, I know when I was first discipled, um, and I'll say this, it was pretty stringent, but it was good, and there was a discipline to this. And this was, this was modeled out for me, and it was even announced at one of the first times we met, and, and we're breaking bread, and we really stuck to, I'll say this, we really stuck to the four essential elements. And, and at the time, they were going through a series on recapturing the church's last identity. To acts
0: 2. Acts right? 2, yeah. yeah. And
1: so uh, we kept it real simple. We kind of really did the four essentials. But um, this statement always stuck with me. Um, the original guy who discipled me said, um, if I could do two things, if I could only do two things with you, and that's all I could do, I'd be okay with this. He said, number one, teach you how to study the Word of God. And I don't mean just study the Word of God. I mean where you're reading it. And even if we've read uh, John 3:16 10,000 times, he really even said, Will you look at this and say, God, may I not be so familiar with this, mm-hmm. but may I read this like I'm reading it the first time? Yeah. I need you. Yeah. This is my daily bread. Yeah. This is the very breath of God, and i got to go all week and I, I'm going to breathe this in, and this is what's going to get me through. If, if this is all I got, this is more than enough. And then he taught me how to pray. And he said outside of the central message of the, of just salvation, the gospel, this is the most central thing you could ever do. How do you really effectively pray and, and learn how to be like Moses and David? He called it a student of uh, the heart of God, hmm. where you're walking through, and all day long you're really communicating and talking to him. And... uh everything that happens in life, you're wondering about the intentionality of why he does what he does and what's shaping all that. And we're realizing at the end of the day that it's a radical love for you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that changed my life. Um, to the point where, I mean, I, I remember crying myself to sleep every night with tears of joy, just reading the word of God, the new layers of the onion, you know, of the gospel were being exposed to me. And, uh,
0: just through those two things. And yeah. so um, yeah I was reading uh, even this week I was reading Ma- or Mark 4, you know, the parable of the sower and the parable of the seed and it just stuck out to me the the uh, I think it's the parable of the seed after the sower but talks about a uh, one who sows the seed in the ground and it just grows it just reproduces it just does its thing and so yeah. is the word of God, you know, when we're when we're good soil and we accept what we're being taught and we receive it with joy it just without our effort it just grows inside of us and it produces inside of us yeah you know and it's this it's this joy of reading the word because we know it, it's it's just going to it's going to produce something
1: it's lovely yeah. um
0: it, it, it's funny you said
1: that uh, because you know um one thing that uh, a lot of guys have discipled me have have also and if you're going to make disciples uh, this is really important is casting vision over the person that you're discipling yeah. uh, through the extensive uh, study of the word of god and that time together and prayer uh, right away this guy sat there and looked at me one day in Pendleton at a restaurant with almost probably 70 people around it was packed and right there in front of me he started uh, speaking uh, you know these are the birthing pains of a man who's been called to full-time pastoral care. And, you know, I'm weeping and crying. And then he reaches over and grabs my hand, and uh, he's celebrating with me. And he starts weeping and crying, in there, looking at us like we're crazy. We didn't care. You know I mean? This is a Holy Spirit yeah. experience right here. Oh, you know, God's here. You know, I've heard from God. Are you kidding me? I don't care what they think. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, You know, I I like to try to do that with the people that I disciple as well, is when I'm really hearing from God, I don't waste a moment. When I start seeing spiritual gifts, I really try and cast vision in them uh, because I I think, you know, we all should encourage one another. But uh, in part of this teaching is also casting vision uh, because that helps answer one of the most important questions any of us have is, why am I here? You You know, you asked it recently, God, what were you thinking when you made me? And when others can cast vision on that, it's what, what a relief it is to hear that. Yeah. You start to, you know, answer that question, why am I here? What do you want me to do, God? Mm-hmm. And you're starting to get that identity spoken to your life. So the second one we talked about is uh, we talked about coordinate. And you're sending people out that you disciple to do things like Jesus did to disciples. And this means that those that you disciple, that they're out obeying Christ's commands. They're serving others, you know, they're they're praying for them. They're teaching the word. They're ministering to the lost. They're visiting the sick. Uh, Jesus was always sending out the disciples out to do things. We call it to enlarge their capacity before they could be commissioned in Matthew 28, mm-hmm. uh, before he ascended to heaven. You know, in, in Matthew 10:1, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples, giving them all authority to drive out, Impure spirits, and to heal every sickness and disease. We look back again in Luke nine two. Jesus sends the disciples out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And I, I counted them up recently, and there's probably more than that. I saw at least twenty two scriptures where it says he sent them out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, what good teacher or you know, like a coach, a mentor, they're they're always having you do things to enlarge your capacity. Yeah. And so,
0: um, kind of push you beyond your limits a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, you know, the bad part was, though, I was always getting sent out to make amends with people. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, and, you know, all he would do was listen to, uh, and here's an example as you sit with people and you're talking to them, they tell you what's going on in their life. And, uh, you know, I would say, well, this and this, this has happened with my mother in law, okay? I know, that's so cliche, your mother in law. And, uh, he looks at me and says, uh, what's the word of God say about that? Well, Second Corinthians says, you know, I need to go in. Okay. Okay, then what are you waiting for? You know, but I gave him permission too. this is elemental. I gave him permission to be all up in my face. Yeah. If he really saw the need to challenge me, to send me out to do things. I remember another time, um, the guy that owned the company I was working for, you know, he was really just being a really prideful guy, even when I approached him in humility and hanging up on the phone on me and all kinds of stuff. And uh, he asked me what it looked like to show this guy radical love because he was hurt.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, so I had to go back to this guy. And so I'm going to the head of my company and almost scripted, thanking him for hiring me during the middle of a recession, that he could have hired anybody, but he hired me. And no matter what he says, I'll 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 submit to your authority. And uh, it's tough because I really want to, you know, put him in a headlock. <laughs> uh, you know, another time I, you know, I had to go confront a pastor and uh, I didn't want to hurt him. I, I was so afraid I was going to hurt him and he literally looked across the table and said, uh, you either go confront him or you're not the man that you say you are. That
0: was so tough. Yeah.
1: But yet at the same time, he grabs my hand again and prophesied over me what was going to happen and it came true.
0: And so... Um, so he's kind of holding you accountable and sending you out. All the same time, is not it? It, it was
1: a double whammy. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't escape. Yeah, but uh, but you know, it, much like Paul, you know, with a thorn in the side. After he he went through all that, for all the money in the world, I wouldn't have not gone through that hardship because you get so closer to Christ that you have a whole new life. Yeah. So that's good. Very good. Um, as we come to this last one here, and this is the one that. You know, a lot of people, they do seem to fight on and and, uh, is correct, accountability. Mm -hmm. And we all need it. You know, I mean, what happens if we're really left on our own, on our own accord? Mm -hmm. We're we're separated from the body. That arm, like you you had that illustration, it just dies. There's no blood supply. Hebrews uh, 12, 5 through 7 says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? This is often the part of discipleship, again, where uh, I find that people, sometimes that's when they start to back out and you lose them. As Mm -hmm. soon as you start to try to hold them accountable, Mm -hmm. sometimes they start to make excuses and they'll quit coming around. And yeah, I call it—we separate the men from the boys, or hey, the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. But uh, what have you experienced with that?
0: Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, I've I've seen um, as I've submitted myself to discipleship, to being discipled by someone else. Um, you you really you you come under them, and and you got it's a position of humility. Yeah. You have to be humble that you're you're allowing that person to look into your life and say, There's something here that's wrong or, or, or holding you asking you some really hard questions. <laughs> and it is hard to not want to push back, defend yourself, you know, but you know, just just as we were saying before, Jesus wants total surrender. He wants every part of you to be pure and holy. Yes. You know, and so there's It's a humbling experience, but what we have, what we see in the Word, is promised that He'll exalt you when you humble yourself. He'll resist you uh, when we let pride and defensiveness come up. Um, But it is that, you know, that accountability. It requires. It requires compassion. Yeah. As a, if if you're discipling somebody, it requires compassion to hold someone accountable because you know you're just as Capable of doing the same thing that they're doing, but there, there's that, there's that confrontation that needs to be done in compassion, you know, and uh, it's we we see Jesus even, you know, kind of holding people accountable when he's when he sent them out and they came back, he basically was like, hey, how'd it go, guys? And they're like, well, this one we weren't able to cast a demon out of, and so he kind of like, well. This is why this one comes out with prayer and fasting, you know, he kind of like kind of had an accountable relationship there, you know, where I sent you out and you did a great job. This one, let's, let's help you correct what was going on there, you know, but like, as you said, in Hebrews, as children, Jesus loves us. God corrects us. And so he uses people what? to correct us. Yeah. <laughs> and and
1: thank, thank God for it. Um, yeah, and I take that part out of Hebrews really, um, you know, where a lot of people go, you know, now ah, this kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but you know, I've to learn to come over the other way and go, no, you know what? This means I am a son. Yeah. I can stand up and you know what? I'm loved. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be loved? Yeah. I, it, it, a good your father. teacher loves you. Yes. Yes. And so I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, and the guys that still disciple me today, um, I appreciate that you, got, that you love me and that you bring my faults to the surface. Um, man, I need it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Amen. So, it, it, okay, on, a, on a, you know, kind of a personal level, we've been going through a time of sifting here. What would it look like if everybody that attended this church for the last two years had been accountable to someone, allowed them to be all up in their business, so to speak, asked tough questions, and I mean even on finances, how things are going with their wife, their kids, their job, even their mother-in-law, <sighs> uh, all kinds of things. Uh, their hey, how about their anger issues? How about their patience? Yeah. How about uh, their compassion? Are they yeah. really compassionate toward people? Yeah. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, the divorce rates in the American church today are just about the same as the lost world, and I think that makes a lot of times the lost world go, they don't have anything to offer. Why would I want to go be part of that? They have the same divorce rates as we do. But I think, you know, accountability through discipleship is the segue that I I think it would cut that off right at the pass. And it would, uh, a lot of these things wouldn't be happening. And we probably wouldn't have as many RTF sessions either,
0: but we would still be very needed. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I had a thought and I just it just uh, escaped my mind. <laughs> oh, it was, uh, sorry, it was, uh, you know, Eric preached a message, uh, it's been a while ago, but all the one another's that we see in the Bible, you know, it talks yes. about spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You know, I see that happening in in the context of discipleship relationship or or, or accountability as we're accountable to one another, spurring one another on. Yes. Here's how how you handle that situation. Here's what the Word says. You know, uh, a group of mature believers who really are carrying one another's burdens, spurring one another on towards love and good works.
1: Yeah, you know, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. And and if you've discipled a, a lot, or even a little bit, and you're discipling someone, how many times, by holding someone accountable, have you seen faults in your own life? Every it, time. It, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you don't say that, but you're thinking it. Well, when I go home, I need to do this. <laughs> but I, I think it's a great way that it, it kind of jogs your own memory about things that you need, to, uh, you need to
0: keep in order and keep in line. I think it's even, uh, it's even a revelation that the discipleship Relationship is led by the Holy Spirit because many times as you're holding someone accountable or pouring into their life, you end up just preaching to yourself because <laughs> mm. you know, like, I need to work on that too. But the Holy Spirit's like speaking through me right now. Yes, I'm going to listen to myself here. <laughs> I got to go home and deal with this. You know, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I, I think the thing though, that um, again, w- without repeating it 10,000 times, the end result though, in all of this is always that it's gotta be multiplied. Yeah. And at a certain point, um, you know, I, I remember when uh, the first guy that really discipled me, um, you know, there started to be people coming around and, you know, asking me if I wanted to go meet and have coffee and things like that, or, or just, it was a natural, you know, I'll say this, a natural thing that happens is, is you're really a disciple then discipleship comes natural, and he described it uh, like in John 15. When we when we abide, in, you know, in His presence, and we're abiding there, um, as you become conformed to the image of Christ, you not only start to feel differently about you, that you love yourself in a different way because you're the righteousness of God, but you love others in a way you really didn't because obeying His commands you start to have more compassion. And uh, it was described this way, and and this is how I felt. It came to a point where this multiplication kind of became natural, and I didn't even realize it. Um, I couldn't stand to see people suffering, hungry, especially lost. It's like they'd gotten a prognosis that they were dying, but it was gonna be forever. The fact that people were gonna go to hell, especially people I knew in my own family, and it still does, um, you know that your heart's been changed when you ache with the thought of people going to hell. Yeah. You can't sit back. It's not about you anymore. Yeah. You know, it's not about sports or anything else or distractions. Uh, you know, If my wife was sitting in, on life support and I could donate that my, some of my organs to save her, you know, of course you would do it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to lay down your life for her. And uh, you get where you start to feel that about people that are lost. Yeah. You have no other, there's no plan B. Your only option is to go out and start to
0: make disciples to make disciples. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like uh, another illustration, uh, as I heard someone sharing, you know, the word cancer is a four-letter word to to most of us, you know. And it's this thing of, like, sin is a cancer. Mm Mm-hmm in the world and it's what's driving people to hell and if we realize that everybody has it and we have the cure how much more would we love to go and share this cure that we have this jesus with the with the cancer of sin it's it's that thing again of it's uh not letting the gospel stop with us it came to us because it's supposed to go somewhere else and this is the plan jesus had from the very beginning you know to do it. I was I looked up Second uh, Timothy two two. It's become one of my favorite verses, and it uh, it's Paul talking to Timothy, and he says, um, Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul is basically commissioning Timothy to disciple. You know, and if you really think about this this pipeline in Paul's life, right? So. So Jesus shared the message with Paul. Paul shared it with Timothy. Now he's telling, Timothy, go share it with others who will share it with others. Yeah. You know, so Paul sees that this spreads by sharing the gospel. Yes. And as you, as you study the context of 2 Timothy, Paul's in prison when he's writing this. He says near the end of 2 Timothy, I'm being poured out like a drink a offering. Drink offering. He's, yeah. he's, he knows his death is coming. But what he's also fully aware of is that he has passed the message on yes. to someone who is faithful and mature, who's going to pass it on to others, who will pass it on to others. Yeah. You know, when uh, you know, just kind of a an anecdotal thing here. I just came to my mind, even in the news recently, right? We uh, the U.S. killed that head of ISIS. Mm-hmm. You know, why do we kill the head of something? Because we want to destroy the the. Cancer. The cancer. But if we are all carrying this and we're all mature, we can be removed from the equation just like Paul was. Mm-hmm. Paul knew I'm going to die, but this isn't going to stop because Timothy's carrying it. And and that's how we should all be. We should seek to be that mature believer who's who's invested ourselves so much in somebody else that now they can go. And even when I'm not in the equation anymore... It's going to spread. Yeah, and hopefully even greater than what we did. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not about us. Yeah.
1: Um, you just brought up something really interesting. And it leads right into to the next thing we were talking about. Was um, So discipleship as a lifestyle, though, really, and this isn't talked about today, really, um, it's evangelism.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, w- we have a lot of cool methods for evangelism. Jesus... Didn't do a lot of what we do, though, in evangelism. He never packed stadiums and had a celebrity show up. And I'm not against Tim Tebow coming in and gathering kids. I think that's great. But it's funny that, um, again, like this command to make disciples, it almost seems like we've done everything but that, but yet we wonder why our society's in the shape that it is. But see, the very thing that he called us to do, it's going to cost you your life.
0: And that's when we push back.
1: That's when we push back. Yeah. We don't want to be accountable. We don't want to give up our evenings and our time pouring into people always. We want to do what we want to do. Uh, Karen said something great that time in, in the radical class. I can't go home and put on my PJs anymore. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. I've never forgot that. But yeah, so Jesus' method of evangelism, which I don't think we can improve on things that Jesus did. He's perfection. is discipleship. Because, you know, you think about this, uh, and and you wrote a great blog uh, when he talked about being devoted. And you have to be devoted to be a disciple. Yeah. So we're not just having people that so-called do a sinner's prayer, which, by the way, is is nowhere in the New Testament, but repentance is. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, when I'm repentant, man, I mean it so that my life's changing. Sin's this way. I'm going this way. We want devoted people. I'd rather have two or three devoted people than 300 half-hearted people. Yeah. And so I, I find it interesting that, you know, he used disciple making. He, he didn't, uh, nothing against, car- you know, I, I've done all kinds of stuff. I've traveled all over the United States and I've tried passing out CD and I, I'm still going to do all that stuff. But at the heart of it, I'm talking the meat on the bone is discipleship, yeah. one person at a time. Yeah. Uh, if, if Jesus did it and, and poured into 12 men and they changed the world,
0: we can too. Yeah, some of, the, some of the statistics and stories are just convicting when you, when you look at the traditional forms of evangelism. I remember reading um, about this evangelist, George Whitfield. I think yeah. he was a long time ago, uh-huh. back when the media actually came to revival meetings and stuff, right? <laughs> and so they, they'd have a big revival, and the media would come up to Pastor George, hey, Pastor, how many people got saved tonight? And you That's know what his right. response was? I'll let you know in a year.
1: Yeah. See how many are still I'll let you
0: know in six months. Right. Because it's not a confession of faith. No. It's the fruit. Let's let's see if they were serious about becoming the follower. You know, so it's not just get people to say the sinner's prayer, but let's see if they live it out. Then I'll let you know how many people got saved. Yeah, did did they really devote their life?
1: You know, we hear everyone say I believe Satan believes it too. Yeah. That's the only problem with that. Satan believes it too. He actually came from heaven. <laughs> he probably believes it more than most of us cuz he's actually seen it himself. He's seen the Shekinah glory of God. He was defeated by it. He was defeated by <laughs> it. Yeah. So um yeah, it's not enough to just believe it, you know, yeah. are we going to be devoted and do something about it? Yeah. So um Because of what we've all just talked about here, um, here's kind of what's not discipleship. And I'm saying this because I've had a lot of questions over the last two and three years of people saying, hey, does this count as discipleship? And if you're part of any of these ministries, it's not a cut on any of that. These are so necessary as tools, and they can lead to discipleship. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And and even earlier on when we were saying, you know, this is what Jesus had to say about what it means to be a disciple— just because we're meeting with someone, too, who they're not quite there yet doesn't mean that they can't be. And that's what we're here for, to yeah. help facilitate that process. But yeah. uh, I've heard a lot of people go, well, I'm in a Bible study. Great. Yeah. I wish everybody awesome. was in a Bible Absolutely. study. We all need to be, Everyone needs to study the Bible. But that alone,
0: it's not discipleship. No. Um, I've really, I don't remember ever being in a Bible study where the leader held me accountable. No, but uh, again, um, or released me to go and do something else. You know.
1: Yeah, Chan and Platt really talked about that. uh, Yeah, it's not something that it's just informational knowledge, but it's transformational. Yeah, that we're actually going to go and live this out. Yeah, Uh, we've called this. um, We've fell into the gap, and I have too, and a lot of people have. We call it uh, trauma triage care. Where when we meet with somebody, it, it's great that we're meeting with them, and, and we want people to share their burdens with us, but it seems like every two weeks, that's all we're doing, is hearing about all the garbage and drama that's going on in their life, yet they're not really growing beyond that. Mm-hmm. It's it's not being replicated, and all it is is a center where they're just showing up and going, um, I only got so-and-so uh, uh, doesn't like me anymore, or... Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy did this, or uh you know th- this this happened, and mm-hmm. uh there's no accountability there there's no growth and and there's no multiplication with that, yeah, and uh you' yeah, really calling
0: to transform yeah, yeah, yeah. To, call to transform
1: yeah I-, I can do a better job of holding people accountable on that um, emotional healing so necessary, very necessary, a great tool, but that in and of itself is not just discipleship um. Simply meeting for lunch or having coffee and catching up. Uh, my wife calls that waffles <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why. Going for waffles. Going for waffles, yeah. Um, specific ministry trainings, and, and, you know, we could go on and on, but um, it's that process of uh, having a relationship with someone who's actually modeling following yeah. Christ by their example, imparting into us, sending us out, and then replicating.
0: Yeah, it's the mothering, the fathering. The, the, we're producing yeah. spiritual offspring, right. which is the goal. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So um, now that we've defined all that, I'm sure you guys have lots of questions. But I'm, I'm sure one of the big questions is going to be: So uh, I know what a disciple is, and I know what it looks like. How do I get started? <laughs> how do I do this? You know. So what do you think? How do you? How do we get started? That's that's one of the biggest questions that I've got, and yeah.
1: um, you had a great point on that. Uh, before we do anything, pray.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. He who yeah, lacks get that, knowledge, ask. Yeah. yeah. Get that revelation. Get that ask revelation. the Holy Spirit. Lord, what is your revelation here of what disciple making is? What are you calling me to do? Put that revelation in my heart. And I, and I can say, I've experienced it this year as I've been praying about this and seeing this and like what does this look like and it's just it's, it's come alive in me you know uh, earlier Eric you asked if anybody had a prophetic word or anything and as I was praying I thought I would wait and to share this till now but I saw all these bundles of like matchsticks all bundled together just individual bundles of you know I'm talking about they're just like kind of wrapped in plastic but they're all stuck together and I just saw one of them getting lit One of these bundles of matches getting lit and, you know, matches next to matches and it just takes off. And I just, I felt like there was this thing of, as this takes root, as we pray, Lord, help us to do this, help us to obey your command. It's going to get out of control. I mean, it's just matches just going off. Each of us are these bundles of matches. And as we come in contact with each other, it's just going to light a fire and it's just going to spread and be uncontained.
1: Well, I know it was the Holy Spirit talking to you because uh, Karen had a word a couple of weeks ago about uh, God being a consuming fire hmm. right up front. And I showed with Eric. I'd been on vacation in Gatlinburg and literally uh, there was a big fire behind the Walmart consuming a tree. And it was just consuming this thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, for a long time I've been writing down that uh, God kept telling me he wants sons and daughters of fire. And uh, even our group, I, I, you know, I like to name it Sons of Fire. <laughs> and uh, even when we were worshiping tonight, it's funny, you, you talk about fire again, because uh, I heard it again, as I am a consuming fire, you are to become sons and daughters of fire yeah. and, and consume also yeah. and go out and be what I've called you to be.
0: Yeah. So I know even as I've been praying over the past year about discipleship, one of the things that I immediately, when I saw this, when I started studying discipleship and I saw this command and ignored, I immediately started to feel yeah. guilt yeah. and shame. And so as you pray, realize that you know this is not something we've done well. Right. You know? um, I mean, if I asked you guys when you first got saved, how many of you were discipled? I'm guessing, is anybody going to raise their hand? I guess I could ask that question. Was anybody right. discipled immediately upon being saved? No, no it's, it's just something we haven't done well in our culture, in our church community, so don't feel shame, don't feel guilt that I'm not a disciple. You know, it's it's prayed for that revelation of what it is, and know that the Holy Spirit is there with you. But one important thing that I added that I added in here is, you know, I had to repent. Yes. You know when we when we see when we get a revelation of a command that we're clearly not following. It it causes concern. It causes us this godly sorrow where Lord yeah. forgive me for ignoring this, you know. Yes. I shared that in my testimony about India when I just saw all these people yeah. and realized I wasn't prioritizing the gospel. I wasn't prioritizing raising up disciples. I, it had brought me to repentance. Yeah. And so I would say pray and repent as the Lord leads you to repent. Because we've been for too long ignoring this.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you're really a disciple, again,
0: then he's
1: sovereign. Yeah. He's sacred. Then his word also, when I don't obey that, it should bring godly repentance. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, But, you know, and I think a lot of what we've had to say tonight, you know, it could come off as... uh, we're not finger-wagging or anything like that. I'm as guilty, yeah. probably the guiltiest person here. Um, I think, though, it's good news. It is. He is the good news. The good news is, though, you know what? We know this now. We can do something about it. Yeah. And so um, I'm here to say tonight, you know, we're all in this together. We all need each other. Yeah. And you know what the good news is? We can do it together. Absolutely. And I look forward to it. And you know what? Like working with you I'm having the time of my life working with you. It is.
0: Yeah, I've I've been as I've been thinking about this as a church. You know, we've been talking about growing the church. We're talking about reaching the community. I mean, what's going to happen when we've discipled all we can within the the four walls of this church? It's going to if we're going to obey the Great Commission and make disciples. It's going to turn us outward, into the community, to share the gospel. Create a brand new spiritual baby and create, a, you know, a spiritual adult out of that. Create a new family. You know, it's going to, again, it goes back to this is Jesus's desire, yeah. his plan to spread the gospel. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, a lot of times uh, we always say that we need to take what is going on outside of these four walls and not just do it here. Yeah. You know, it, that that is totally... Uh, and if not, then we go back to what you and I studied that time, and it was a controversial statement. You know, Chan says, uh, I think many times actually Satan is happy with the way we do church, and, and everyone got their ears up, what, what are you talking about? And he said, we will be moved during our service, we'll receive revelation, and we'll even look at each other on the way out and say, that was so good, I cried. He said, but do nothing about it after we leave the door. And... uh But this is a call to, uh, I mean, how many people do we know out there that don't have parents, period? And on top of that, need to be spiritually parented. Yeah, I I can't count them all. So uh,
0: the harvest is bountiful. Yeah. You know, one of the ways we can get started with discipleship, for those of you who have children, Mm -hmm. as you know, start at home. Start with your children. You know, it's. Uh, I know we've said it before. We've said it from uh, the pulpit. I believe Karen would agree with this statement. But it's not the children's minister's job to raise our children. Right. You know, if we look back at Deuteronomy, you know, what's Jesus said. These commands, that, or not Jesus. Well, God is Jesus, but these commands I give you today, teach them to your children. When you, where you walk, when you get up, you know, wherever you're at. I mean, if if you read through that. Actually, I have it written down here. You You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. I look at those four things. It's like that's discipleship.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Wherever you're at, bring them with you. Teach these things to them. You know, as parents, we're, we're... commanded to raise up our children in the ways of God. And so can you imagine, Karen, children discipled by their parents and released into the world? You know, how, how beautiful would it be oh, when, when uh, high school kids are, are leave this house and go off to college and they are fully equipped disciples of Jesus. And making disciples. And who are making disciples. You know, and as parents, we can start at home. You know, well, but we have to commit
1: to it. it, it you know, the, the big thing that is easily convicted and we see this and, you know, working, you know, in the church, we get so busy. Yeah. And uh, you and I both said this, this can, you know, I need to do a better job of doing this at my house. Yeah. And you are, and, and I am too. We're both having uh, family devotions and we're breaking bread now at meals and have been convicted. But I go back to 1 Timothy again, 1 Timothy 2, 4. He must manage his own family well. And see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If we don't start with our own households and have them in order, we actually disqualify ourselves from managing anything else in the body of Christ. Without taking care of this first, start with your own family. And so um, I think to the world, too, it comes off. I mean, how many times have we seen that, too? You used to hear, pastor's kids are the worst. (laughs) And maybe, you know, they were so busy with, with great intentions trying to carry out the gospel. Yeah. But you know what? Probably might have neglected their own family because they were so busy out there doing this, not knowing that the very foundation of what people see was rotting and caving in and falling apart and could destroy their whole witness. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, we have a 61% rate of when uh, our high schoolers a lot of times go off to college, that they walk away from their faith. I think that would fall to almost 0 if uh, we had a normal culture of discipling our families. Yes,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. You know, some other ways to to get started, you know, it's uh, just ask yourself, do I have a spiritual father? Do I have a spiritual mother? Have I made any spiritual children? You know, evaluate yourself. You know, we're called to examine ourselves. You know, so ask yourself, you know, who, who can you ask to disciple you mm-hmm. if you feel that you need someone to disciple you? Um, and God's going to lead you to someone. And, you know, if, if you're at a point, you know, this, this is something we haven't talked about. Maybe we sh- were a little remiss to, to actually have not mentioned this, but you only need to disciple the person that you're a little bit ahead of. That's and right. That, you know, you don't have to be this super spiritual, you know, Pastor Eric or... I'm not saying you're super spiritual you know i'm just saying we elevate certain people don't we that oh they're a more mature believer but we just have to be a little bit ahead somebody that's right you know and we kind of alluded to it mm-hmm. we're learning for the next person that's right so i learn a little bit i bring them with me i learn some more i bring them with me you know we can all do it you know even someone who is saved yeah. just brand new baby you know they can disciples. They can go out and get somebody saved. That's beginning the discipleship relationship. And they can bring someone alongside of them. So we don't have to be at a certain level to be like, I can't do this until I check off these boxes, you know. It's You can get started right away.
1: Yeah, that, that's one of the top four uh, uh, on the Verge Network that they talked about. One of the top four myths about discipleship was... Uh, that you had to reach a certain level, and uh, they plainly stated that.
0: Yeah.
1: No, as long as you're just slightly ahead of someone, and he even took it as far as to say, um, as long as you're saved, yeah, just start. Start. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, uh, and that bleeds into where we're we're kind of going next, and we say, where do we go from here? Just um, start with one person, just that one person, and you know, I think when you, it's like when you ask God earnestly who should I disciple, or who should disciple me, he'll tell you. Yeah. He's a good father. Amen. He's not going to yeah. withhold things from you. Mm-hmm. He'll tell you. He'll even send people if you ask him. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but, you know, I think the, the first thing I know, if, if I'm going to meet with some, if someone comes to me and says, uh, for practical knowledge here, and says, uh, hey, I need discipled, and if I have the time to do it, um, the first thing I look at is where are they spiritually? What's their spiritual maturity level? You know, are they a spiritual infant, a spiritual child, spiritual young adult, a spiritual parent? You know, where are they at? Because that's going to a lot of times, too, with the content that I'm going to want to teach them yeah. is going to be dictated by their spiritual maturity level. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not going to get into a lot of things that you and I study with someone who just got saved. Yeah, you don't uh,
0: feed meat to a newborn baby, do you? No, we feed them milk.
1: <laughs> we feed them milk. Yeah. So, um, and that's what what uh, what is it? First Corinthians three two states. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you were still not ready. And so, I always uh, I try to elaborate on the spiritual maturity level. And uh, and I'll say this: I most people, when they start discipleship, they're spiritual infants. Yeah. More, more times than not, they're spiritual infants. A lot of times, yeah. Uh, you and I brought this up, too. We get a lot of people that will come to us, too, and say, I am working 70 hours a week. You know, I, I'm so tired the way it is. Um, how am I supposed to do this? And we even say, start small. Can you do one hour a month with someone? Can you start with just one hour? And, yeah. you know, I always notice um, God takes your obedience, a simple action that someone sees as something so simple, and when you do that, he puts his hand on it. Yeah. And he starts to do what Jeff can't do, what Alex can't do, what you guys can't do in your own, what we can't do ourselves. He starts to do, I call it yeah. the supernatural from our natural efforts. Yeah, it's if that
0: seed that grows on its own,
1: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does.
0: Yeah yeah and and you know i would say to the people that are busy you know get creative with you know your time you know how much of your time do you have free that you're like you're going somewhere or you know you have time in the car you know be listening to something be um listen to podcasts or something or you know lean on that spirit that disciple maker that spiritual parent like what can i be doing in this time you know get creative you know to uh to get the word in you and to begin discipling,
1: I, I do that a lot. Um, you know, even Jorge, a lot of people know who he is. There's uh, a guy a disciple, and he doesn't live here. And people are going, well, "How does that work?" You know, he, he's in Miami and you're here. This guy's hungry. You yeah. know, he flew up here to be baptized. We talk every day on the phone, and he pours out what's going on in his life. And yeah. uh, you know, he's listened to the podcast every day and reading his Bible and saying, awesome. Here's what I dug up from that. And so, yeah. yeah, don't limit yourself by what you can just always do in person, too. Half of my clients call and, and want to talk and pray and stuff. And so I think you can get very creative. Uh, I even had to Skype for discipleship, but I wanted it so bad. Yeah. I I couldn't get enough. And I want to be trained. And I wanted to go out. And, uh, you know, I was sick back then. I want to change the world. Yeah. and so I'll do whatever it takes yeah. to get this wonderful knowledge from
0: this guy. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is you know obedience really is the key. Absolutely. To to doing this is we have to get started, you know, and the thing I've been learning is like I've 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 been discipled. It was never impressed upon me to actually replicate until it was really this year where I was reading it and then like, oh wow, I'm supposed to be reproducing. <laughs> Like, I've totally left this out, you know. But what I've seen is, you know, the Holy Spirit leads each one of us differently. There's no, like, cut and dry, this is exactly how you disciple, sh- disciple. you know. Do these six steps, and you will produce a disciple. Yeah. Or go through this curriculum, and you will produce a disciple. You know, it's it's led by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, as we see in the Bible... John had his disciples right yeah I mean you see the Pharisees talking about the disciples of John right so you kind of take on the flavor I guess of the person I guess who's discipling you a little bit you know but it's led by the Holy Spirit and you know he just he guides you he directs you don't be afraid to make mistakes Mm -hmm. yes you know I'm still learning how to do this you know (laughs) my wife asked me well. What do we do here? And I'm not sure. I'm still learning to do this myself, you know. (laughs) But isn't that the great thing about God and the Holy Spirit is that he allows us to make mistakes. He uses us. And ultimately, he's the one that makes the seed grow, not me.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the guys that discipled me always told me, you know, not only are God's graces and mercies brand new every day. Thank the Lord. But they're especially brand new for those that are obedient. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as, we, you know, as we say here, and it's become a famous phrase, uh, we meet everybody right where they're at, not where we want them to be, yeah. and, and work where God's working. Yeah. And, and he does that with us, and he always has. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't mind seeing my daughter make mistakes if she's obeying me, though. Yeah. There's all the grace in the world with that, and I can work with that, yeah. and so can God. And, uh, and, you know, the great thing about mistakes are we learn. That yeah. enlarges our capacity. Yeah, absolutely. We, we kind of come to the end of this here, uh, but I'll just say, um, I don't know how to say this any better. If you really give your life to this, there is a contentment, and a peace and a happiness because you're always being pressed to go deeper and deeper in God's word and prayer and out sharing the gospel and uh, facing your own fears, conquering new heights the whole time. Um, I remember then that was spoke over me too. There is a peace and contentment be for you and your family beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. And uh, I'll say this. I even remember weeping another time at the table and just talking about how how gracious God was and, and uh, here in uh, you are experiencing sweet seasons of growth and the great news is unlike an athlete that their body wears out and their career is pretty much over and they can become severely depressed you know as our outward man perishes our inward man grows and grows and so I remember saying you mean it can stay like this forever Mm-hmm. I can be this happy forever. Mm-hmm. He goes, not only as happy as you are now, it can keep getting better because you're going to keep growing the rest of your life. You can keep crying yourself to sleep with tears of joy for what's been done to you and pouring that out to other people. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I'll say that uh, if you want an antidote for depression, which seems to be a melancholy that swept our society or purpose in life or what have I really been called to, what do I do next? discipleship will answer every last ounce of that
0: amen absolutely i was thinking the same thing you know through my through my spiritual walk i've hopped from ministry to ministry (laughs) from thing to thing to try to find that that calling that thing that god has wants me to do and sometimes you get to a point where you know you're burned out or you feel like there's something more yeah And it's like, it's so clear in Scripture, like, this is what God's called us all to do. Yeah. And sometimes I've I've been wondering, you know, is this, like you said, the antidote, is this what's going to propel us and keep us moving forward with joy because we're we're walking this thing out that God has called every one of us to do?
1: Yeah, you know, there's no greater satisfaction. I think you all will agree. When you know you're right where God wants you and you're doing what he says— doesn't it feel good yeah doesn't it feel good Amen. so
0: yeah well we have uh you know we've mentioned a lot of things that we've been studying and stuff i think in that discipleship manual you have a whole list of resources and things that we've been reading you know you're always welcome to come and talk to us and we can drop the whole bookshelf on you <laughs> you know as we've been studying this and What's really cool is, you know, I mentioned the different flavors, kind of thing. You know, is like, there's there's so many men of God and women of God that have have their their own like go-to book. Like, here's how you do it, right? But what you really see is at this core, it's the spiritual parenting, the spiritual yeah. fathering, the creation of a, you know, the raising up of a spiritual child. Absolutely. And, and, and really investing yourself in them.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the last thing I'll, I'll add on this, um, as we all, you know, and we we have spiritual parents and, you know, you and I, we go, oh, well, Platt and Chan said this. And that, and we find it easy sometimes to uh, to stifle the language that God made to come out as you because you're so heavily influenced by yeah. Bill Johnson or Chris or whoever it may be. We all have our favorites but um, you had it right. What was God thinking when he made you? And there's something so unique and and so unto only you. And there's something so beautiful that's supposed to come out of each one of us. And that's why we're all different. There is a style, even in discipleship, that only Jeff can do, that only Bruce can do, that only Karen can do, that all of you, that only you can do. And uh, always press in, That, you know, if none of these resources were here and all we had was the Bible, it's more than enough.
0: Absolutely.
1: And uh, if I just read this, I'll figure out exactly how God wants me to carry this out for what only I was created for. Not you or him or anyone else, but God has a very personal thing for you in all of this. And I I think it's going to speak to your spiritual identity and give you much greater purpose, too, Mm -hmm. as you uh, walk all this out.
0: Yeah. Well, it, amen. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, I know it's been quite a while here, I think. I didn't pay attention to time specifically, but um, I do want to take an opportunity, if anybody has any simple, quick questions that we can try to give a simple, quick answer to, you know, we kind of want to open it up to you guys and just, uh, it might be a great question. Let me catch up with you some other time. We can talk about that, but... Is there any, like, just real pressing question? Even if you just leave it with us and we can think about that. You know, I didn't think about that. That would be great. You know? Yeah, we haven't figured this out, really. I mean, we have more
1: questions than answers still. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really counting on Bob Hughes to ask a really good pressing question. Got <laughs> you got one? Well, go ahead. And I don't care if it's a gray area. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. If I don't truly do what Christ says, am I a goat or am I a sheep? Well, that's a really loaded question. <laughs> well, you, you know, know, if I, if we can repeat it, so that one of the podcasts or whoever's listening, you let me. Hopefully, I can summarize it. Many of us have been following Christ for many different periods of time, and it sounds from what we've been sharing that we've maybe been living our life wrong and not fully in obedience to what Christ said when we get to judgment day what's the result going to be is that your question so is your question uh, is
1: uh, um, I don't know how to say this Um,
0: what's disobeying the great commission Yeah. yeah so I think my answer to that would be You have an opportunity now to change from this day forward. What are you going to do with the word now? You know, James says, he who knows what the right thing to do is and does not do it, to him it is sin. Yeah. You know, and uh, as a follower of Christ, I I would hope that when we're convicted of sin that we change. And so, start now. Start obeying now.
1: Go. One thing we do know that is 100%. We're all going to face God. Uh, You know, I've heard it recently about sports and kids, and uh, the statement was, "There's one in a 10 million chance that your kid is ever going to be a pro athlete." There's a 100% chance that they're going to face God. We need to put our time, all of our time. You know, we're going to be more humble than we can ever imagine when we face Him. I can't imagine what it's going to be like, and so you know what? I need to spend more time in my life for when I'm going to face Him. Knowing that I obeyed His commands and that I gave Him my life, uh, really, than anything else.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a it is a really loaded question, because you know. It's a good one, though. uh, You could just substitute anything in there. You know, if if I continue to do this and I die, do I go to heaven? You know, what we know from Scripture is we're saved by faith alone in Christ alone, by grace alone. You know, so we're not advocating if you don't do this, you're going to hell, right? we're not advocating that it's your faith in Christ alone through his grace that we're saved and so what we're trying to press is there's a better way there's a higher way another calling on top of you know um work out your salvation with fear and trembling and you know i would encourage you to study james too where he says faith without works is it's dead, dead. I mean, there's there's some pretty contradictory stuff where you have to balance the, is it just my profession of faith or do I have to put action to it, you know? Yeah. And I would say, if you know what the truth is, start obeying.
1: Pa- yeah, Paul and Peter had great debate on that, but, you know, Paul always talked about working out your salvation. Not that you earned it, but he talked about, uh, again... If this is really the crux of our whole life, then it's going to propel us to go do something yeah. like we talked about. We won't be able to stand to see lost people. Yeah. Uh, we'll have compassion on others, and that will compel us, propel us, to go and work out our salvation. And we call it going to the spiritual gymnasium. Yeah. Um, you know, to answer your question too a little bit, uh, I heard one guy recently say, Dr. David Jeremiah said uh, he goes if he was talking about obedience versus non-obedience on some issues, and he goes, we all want to hear when we enter heaven, well done, good and faithful servant. He goes, if we don't start doing this, some of you are going to hear, uh, come on in. <laughs> and uh, he goes, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear well done, good and faithful yeah. servant. Amen. And
0: uh, Tough question. Any easier ones? <laughs> Bruce? Well, it's a long same line. Probably not easier. <laughs> we're about the Great Commission
1: yeah. and the church.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they commanded to go because their mission was to spread. hmm And it did spread.
1: hmm I agree. So I see that as a model. It can't be denied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh but personally is that a commandment to
0: us? That's a great question. I've I've uh I've pondered that myself. So Jesus told the disciples go and make disciples. He's he's addressing the twelve, right? And so is he commanding all of us as a church body or is he commanding just the 12, right? It's a great question. It's difficult to answer. I've, I've read it and I've accepted it as we're all called to do it. Um, they started it and we're called to finish it and carry it out. And so I would say, yeah, it is a command to us because we all carry this gospel with us. And even though he spoke directly to them, it has spread. It's been written down, and I think we're called to to do likewise. Well, seventy also did.
1: Right? Well, and, and yeah. regardless of how many, the big burning thing is here. And I would ask anyone this: How pretty, okay? We wouldn't even have the gospel in America today if those twelve hadn't gone out and did that. It would not be here. So I'm well, I'm thankful to Christ, and I'm very thankful to guys like Paul too, and other people, and then the reformers, and all those. There's two billion people yet that have not yet heard the gospel. We have no excuse. If, if, if I believe this gospel, then it has, again, radical implications for my life. Because if I really appreciate and love God for what he's done in me, I can't keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. Then I can't stand to watch those people go to hell either then. Or I don't really love them as I love myself. Again, then I'm disobeying his commands. And so I have no other option then than to multiply the gospel to reach these people. Um, Otherwise, if I don't love them, you know, know, uh, Jesus didn't cut any slack. Uh, He said, uh, love God with all your mind, body, spirit, and soul, and then uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if that's the truth, I can't say I love him if I don't love them too. And so all those unreached people, if I love them, why would I deny them what I've been given? I can't do that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, yeah, I think the Great Commission, uh, you know what? It worked back then, and it'll work today. And uh, it doesn't need to be improved upon. It is what it is, and uh, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad because I couldn't figure it out. I have a hard enough time figuring that out. If they were putting new layers on it, I'd never get it. (laughs) So I hope that helps. A little bit.
0: It's a great That's question. That's a great question, though. Yeah. I'd encourage you to study it and, uh, and dig into it. Um, I've, I've looked into it a little bit, and there's people that uh, some wonder, you know, or it says in the Bible that 500 saw Jesus. Yeah. Some wonder if were they there in Galilee when he ca- told the disciples to meet me there and that he wasn't just speaking to the disciples. It was also that 500. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were there as well, and they heard this commission as well interest is interesting to think about uh, but again it's it's a it's a pray well, as we said pray see what the holy spirit reveals to you uh, how he wants you to walk out discipleship maybe one more susie Yeah. So, um, I guess my question is just my heart goes out to so new people. Yeah. And I have a hard time knowing the focus. Yeah. So
1: you mean discerning on how, which one to which choose?
0: One So when you're talking about this, and mm-hmm. I know we each have to look at our own hearts, our own time, and what we can invest, and say, Lord, well, what do you want me to lay aside? in My own life, I will have time to do this. Mm-hmm. But did you have kind of a, an idea of how many you wanted
1: to really settle into a discipleship when you started? Yeah. This one? Was it more? Um, well, I mean, you know, at the time I started to disciple, I know that the pastor who discipled me... Uh, I don't think it'll be as hard as you think. I'll tell you why. Um, he's a pretty popular guy, and a lot of people seek him out. But at the time I met with him, I, I was telling him, "I feel kind of guilty for taking up." We'd gone really long on a lunch. It was it was north of three hours, but we, you know we were just going deep, and it was just a, an intense session. And uh, and I, I was apologizing and saying, you know, I, I feel I feel bad for taking your time because I know not only you're a father to so many kids uh, at home, but also, you you know, I'm not the only guy meeting with you. I don't want to take up other people's time. And he says, no, 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 you're all I got right now. I can't get people to be accountable, to read God's word, and to be responsible. They only show up when it's good for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this, I don't think you'll have as hard a time as you think sad to say, um, it will weed itself out very
0: quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. And
1: you know. I've, all, you know, I've always said this too, um, and seen it and seen it modeled, uh, if you're pouring into deeply more than two to three people, you really can't go that deep and share your life mm-hmm. with that many people. And there's got to be a normal occurrence of them going out and replicating this, and then, then we're bringing in more people. Um, yeah, and, and that becomes a problem where we're, a lot of times, we're skimming the surface with a lot of people, but we're not really going as deep as we really should. But, and the problem is there's not enough people. The harvest is bountiful and the workers are few. That's a dilemma. And no. so I, I think that's, I'll say this. we got to make the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. We get so many things off to the side, and I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody. But this was, again, if he said, I just got raised in the dead to tell you this, maybe this needs to be the ministry of the church and not just a ministry within the church.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Jesus was the perfect disciple maker, and he could only do 12. So don't do more than twelve, Susie. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Hey, and even uh, but, and, and but, one of those sold him out too. <laughs> but uh, to kind of add on to Alex's point, I think I think he alluded to it, I wanna help clarify it a little bit, is that when we pray about who we should pour into, we also set an expectation. Right. You know, when we enter into a relationship with somebody to disciple them, we are investing ourselves in them. And there needs to be an expectation laid out up front that this is a time where I'm going to be spiritually fathering you, spiritually mothering you. And this is what I expect. And I'm doing this with the intent that you are going to reproduce at the end of this. I'm going to release you. And what I've done to you, you are going to do to someone else. And as he said, a lot of times when you lay out that expectation with people, they'll weed themselves out. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the missing link yeah. for me is that I hadn't set some expectations. And so, like you said, then would hit a
1: rocky point. And then, like I said, it does kind of, and you go, did I? What did yeah. I do? Well, he even taught me to, you know, when we talk about accountability, where a lot of people kind of squirm and, and want to get out of there, mm-hmm. um, he taught me to always, you know, ask someone, what, do you, what does accountability look like to you? Because I don't want what I think that it is in you two to be here, and I'm expecting this. and, And you're not there yet, again, on the spiritual maturity level. And so let's find common ground on what you think accountability is. Let's talk about that. Let's read God's word about this, and let's come to an agreement, and then we can move forward on that. You know, Jesus said, you know, when he talked to the rich young ruler and when he talked about being a disciple, you know what he said? Count the costs. Yeah. No man is going to go build a tower without first assessing this. He talked about going to war, you know. And so uh, I think we have to count the costs in all things and lay those out with people. And and Jesus did that sharing the gospel because if he is the rock of integrity, and he is, well, of course he's going to tell the truth. He's going to lay all the cards on the table. He didn't want people to come back and go, well, you didn't tell me I had to do this. No, he told them almost brutally everything. Yeah. And I think people will respect us a lot more if we're just honest and upfront to begin with and lay these out.
0: Yeah. And one other thing I wanted to add is, you know, as we, as you begin this and as you consider who you're praying to pray for, who to invest in, as Alex said, when we see the lost, we want to touch everybody. Mm-hmm. But when we really focus in on a few and really pour into them, what we're creating is somebody else who can then do the same, you know. Um, I could have showed you a graph about how uh, uh, discipleship is exponential. You know, as you pour into two or three people who then pour into two or three people, you know, if if, if an evangelist saved one person every day of his life for like 15 years, he only reaches like 5,000 some people. I mean, you'd have to do the math. I could be a little off there. But in those 15 years, if you started with three people who then turned another year and pour it into three people it goes into the hundreds of thousands of people reached because it's exponential so even though as we have this heart for many let's I would encourage you to hone in on the one and really invest yourself Amen. to create a mature person who's going to also do the same thing
1: yeah that that graph uh, we saw that in Radical and uh, it was in like 20
0: or 30 years
1: it somehow multiplied up to 4 billion people
0: yeah Yeah, I've even seen, I mean, it's a a pipe dream, but if you took everybody who professes to be a Christian in the U.S. Yeah. And you got them all to begin discipling, you could reach every person on the face of the earth within a generation. And that's four out of every five
1: people, the latest that I heard even today. Four out of five people profess to be Christian, but yet only one out of those four actually believe God's word for what it says that it is. Yeah.
0: Amen. We've kept you. We've we enjoy this obviously, um, but um, thanks for letting us share this. I appreciate it. Uh, I I love working with Alex and uh, on this and and really seeing his heart and he's encouraged me and I hope this has encouraged you guys, and and we're open to questions, phone calls, whatever. If you want to reach out to us, we want to help you with this. But uh, I, I hope. We've, we've, we've kind of opened the fire hose. I hope we didn't open up too far. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't want to egg you to death. Michelle gave
1: great advice on that this morning, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah. On that. Uh, <laughs> uh, keep it to this. And uh, it was great advice. But uh, we'll do anything to help uh, increase your capacity as well to do this. Yeah. And, uh, and it's great working with you, too. I love you, man. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. You've, really, you've really partnered with me. I love you. Yeah, uh, Thank you.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Um, Lord we just uh, we come to you with humble hearts and we thank you God that you've called us to disciple Lord that you value us so much that you want to use us to affect others to, to spread this message to spread spiritual maturity throughout the world Lord and we just thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us that your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us that you transform our hearts, so Lord, we. Well, first of all, we say we're sorry for yes. ignoring this, Lord. I'll I just, I just us, repeat Lord. that, even in my own life, yes, I haven't prioritized discipleship or the spread of your gospel. Thank Forgive you for me revelation. for doing that, Lord. You. you are worth so much more worth it all. than my convenience. You're worth it all. Than my comfortableness. You're worth so much more, Lord. Forgive me for yes. not considering and obeying what you've called me hands. to do. But, Lord, I just pray even now that you begin to drop in our hearts and seal in our hearts this desire, this, this love that we see that you spread to your disciples and how you've commanded them to go out, Lord, that that would become our desire. our desire, that you work with us and lead us and guide us, Lord. Just praise you for who you are. You're a good God who loves us dearly, who doesn't look down on us. No, you're us. But you raise us up and exalt us as we humble ourselves. Yes. We thank you, Lord. We love you and we praise you, cause you're amazing. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.